Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. After each race of the Formula One 2021 season, Paul Wallace and I... Oh, I basically just made you a host. Hello. That's so annoying. Hello. My regular guest. From the co-host. My, my regular guest, Paul Wallace and I, review the insane on-track <laughs> and off-track antics that are making up one of the greatest Formula One seasons I think we've ever seen. Um, so yes, uh, welcome. If you haven't listened before, uh, we're thrilled that you've decided to tune in to listen to our review of, I'm going to come out and say, I think the best race of the year so far. Oh, I mean, it did have a lot. It and had the a lot. ending, it was like a crescendo. It's a good word, isn't it? It's a great word. It was a crescendo towards the end. And I think whether it was Putin or Eccleston, <laughs> whoever controls the weather in Russia just nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Were you watching back in the 2000 and I think it was 2007. Oh, God, that's going to oh. catch me out. The Spa Grand Prix with Hamilton and Raikkonen. I'm gonna say no okay so because yeah because that would trigger the memory that just yeah. that phrase because basically it was the exact same situation with five laps to go we got a big downpour but at spa <laughs> and it was it was Raikkonen and hamilton and they both went off the track about seven times okay i've definitely seen yeah in the last few laps overtaking each other off track yeah. spinning like, it was just madness and then that's when we ended up changing some of the rules because hamilton let Raikkonen through on the start line and immediately overtook him again <laughs> and they were like i don't think we should allow that um but anyway, so yeah, so similar madness. So as that sort of final rain shower was approaching, I was like, oh my God, this is so spa 2007. I feel like people are going to be like, oh, summer, it was 2008. <laughs> yeah, stop I'm, saying the date now. <laughs> I'm sure it's 2007. I have to interject at this point mm. as a bit of a side note. There's a very strong smell of sulfur in the, mm. in the studio today, <laughs> which is creeping both of us out. And at any point we might pass out. Is this Putin as well? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should be slagging off Russians considering that you're desperate to get Mazepin's dad as That's a sponsor. true. Of, of yeah. course, Remem yeah, Nikita and his dad. <laughs> Nikita Senior. <laughs> so yeah, d I just needed to bring that up because we may either lose our minds, we may pass out. I don't know. It's a very strong smell of sulfur. So if someone walks in and sees us both lying on the floor, please take the memory card out, put it into Sam's laptop and upload this podcast so that this can be out there to the world. Good point. Because <laughs> I think it's going to be a good episode because we just got so much to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to skip all of the interesting build up to the race and just get into the race because... Well, okay. <laughs> you want to talk about qualifying? Well, Q3. Yeah, I mean, of course. Insane. Like, insane. Like, 
Okay, so let's talk about qualifying uh, and Q3. Can I start with, once again, Lewis Hamilton cracking under pressure mm, question mark yeah i mean i was i was saying it with within a, a different whatsapp group actually oh, sorry what? sorry sam um, is that the other guest group <laughs> yeah. regular guests of after the Jacob Blair group? and i was basically talking to myself okay. um and i basically said the same thing it's one of those moments that it caught him out i think he was flapping because he knew that the track was getting quicker and he knew that he needed as many late laps as possible. And um, and yeah, from that moment of him hitting the pitch, you could hear it in his voice, even just in, into the radio check, um, that he was not in his calm and collected normal self because he knew now everything was a race against time. Even his outlap needed to be faster than normal um, whilst everyone was out and comfortable up to temperature and making those two hot laps work because that was kind of the strategy for Q3 especially. Um, and he knew that he wasn't going to get that. So he was not in the right frame of mind. And obviously we've seen him so calm in the, the right frame of mind to just go out and deliver. So many times in previous seasons, we've seen him put under immense pressure, especially in qualifying. I'm thinking back to like fires in Hungary mm. 2014 or something. You know, I, I'm going to lose track of my years now, but there have been plenty of examples where he's been right up against it and have a t had to deliver on one lap. And I've mentioned it a few times that personally, I feel like this year we're starting to see, yeah, cracks in, in Hamilton's form. And that's no bad thing. It just shows what an immense battle he's facing with, th from Verstappen and, and it's exciting and it's great and I'm not diminishing his ability or his character if anything to me it shows just how hard he's having to yeah. you know for you know ra race against Max and you're right I think towards the end of that session he saw that opportunity he he thought okay I, I should be quickest here but there is a risk there is a chance the rain is here like you know ever drying track I've got to be on top of it and he made a very rookie error, mm. you know, not the first time he's made an error going into the pits, you know, it famously. Is a, that is a tight pit, though. Very tight pit, though. I'd definitely crash. But then he also spun off in his last attempt. So, yeah, you know, like yeah. it, it was a weird yeah. session for Lewis. But as, and as I said... Again, say, stemming from that, therefore, the knock-on effect was he, he was just in his head flapping yes and we so often defend lewis for being this calm mature champion and knock max for being hot-headed and immature but but actually we, we've got to be unbiased at some point <laughs> during this I don't know, season do, do we? <laughs> <laughs> i'm just pretending for a second but you know as i say there, there are these moments where we've got to realize you know yes it, it, it got to him mm. and, and the unflappable lewis looked flapped even even <laughs> though max was just not in the picture at yeah. all. There, it was it couldn't even have crossed lewis's mind at all for the qualifying the only thing was i think lewis's experience he knew what was happening and he needed that final second to cross the line to have the the maximum capabilities of the track and obviously the warm tires Oh, well, it led to this ultimate grid, oh, you know, of, oh. of, you know, it really felt like 2024. Yeah. Norris, yeah, 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 Sainz, yeah. Russell. I mean, like, where was Charles Leclerc? <laughs> uh, obviously had a lot of penalties, so wasn't taking part. But, you know, I mean, like it, it really did feel like yeah. a sort of a, a, a glimpse into the future, mm. didn't it? And it was almost like old man Lewis in P4. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I said it, I think it was like within the first 10 laps of the race, now skipping to Sunday, um, when the top 10 was just such a bizarre order 
Schroeder. We obviously didn't have Bottas, Verstappen, or Leclerc in the top 10. And Lewis was down in P7. And the order of the drivers was just, I was just like, look at the top 10. So exciting. How, though, how right? bizarre. And what a great setup for, obviously, the race to come. So let's, uh, let's talk about Norris. I don't know whether we should talk about the end of Norris's race, or, but, but, but let's talk about him in general because you know McLaren just like yeah, uh, that, that, yeah. that needs a round of Have applause. Have you bought one yet? <laughs> no. But did you see they actually launched a Ricardo edition? No. Oh no, it's not even a joke. They launched in Australia a Ricardo edition 720s. Oh that, like that's not even a joke. Oh my god, that's a thing now. I need to Google this after. Uh, I need to buy one. <laughs> um, but will there be a Norris Arturo? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. We sort of spoke about it after Monza, you know, obviously great to see this, this turn in form from McLaren, them to be right at the front like this. And we felt that in Monza, they had the pace to win that race outright, mm. but we did question whether maybe Norris could have overtaken Ricardo and actually maybe was the rightful winner for McLaren across the season. Yes. But uh, here is, was his, another chance for him to show what he can do. And uh, heck, he went out and got pole and really should have won the race. Mm, yeah. Um, it was definitely their race to lose. Their race to lose. about 10 laps to go. And I think, in my mind, I should have felt like Lewis was probably going to overtake him because of the pace at which he caught Norris in yeah. the dry. But when he got to that famous F1 one and a half seconds, it did start to kind of nullify a bit. And it Well, if anything... Norris was definitely conserving his tyres because there was purple sectors and Norris was, I wouldn't say driving off into the distance, but I was keeping track of that 1.5 and then it went to 1.6, went to 1.8, then it came down to 1.7, then it went back to 1.8. So, and Lewis said it in the post-race interviews, he wasn't that sure whether he was going to get it. Yeah. And I think Norris was confident if that rain hadn't come, he would have been able to have fended off Lewis for the rest of the And I think race. he would have really fought it. And I think Lewis being in the you know, championship mindset that he is would have thought, actually, maybe if he'd gone for a lunge and it hadn't come off, well, okay, yeah. you know, I'll well, take at that the second. Point, um, Verstappen was P7, I think. I know, P8. and going backwards. Yeah. So there's so much to, to <laughs> unpack in this race. But yeah, th that was my kind of thing. So an amazing job by Lando. Uh, just continuing to, live, to deliver this season in that car. And you do feel like the win might come this year. I don't know. Um, but well, I mean, if this season's anything to go by, is there's a strong possibility strong, that it will come this season. But let's face it, McLaren. So Spa could have mm. been on pole if he hadn't mm -hmm. binned it, Norris. Yeah. Um, Monza won the race. Mm. Sochi on pole should have won the race but you've um, been banging on every podcast saying these f1 drivers oh well actually i could have got pole but i did but i didn't no no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> this is like uh, norris I, going well i could have won but i didn't fair <laughs> what i mean is the mclaren pace now mm, it is that car has been developing so much that i think they have a chance for further top three results mm. and so we can't just say that it's all come down to luck since the summer break mclaren have looked like solid podium contenders at every single race. Does that mean that Red Bull and Mercedes are slowing development of this year's car and McLaren are continuing or McLaren are upping it because they want to get points to get more money for next season and not developing next year's car yet? Hard to know, isn't it? You know, this is the, the famous question is when do you take the foot off the gas <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> in developing your current season car and not thinking about next year or, or start thinking about next year? We've got this huge rule change. You've got to think that most teams have already turned their attention to 2022. But yeah, it suggests McLaren are continuing to develop that car. Whether that means Mercedes and Red Bull are doing less, I doubt. I mm. think Red Bull are pushing on. I think yeah. Red Bull are like, this is our championship. We've got to nick this I, one. I think they have to. I think they're pushing on. Um... 
So before, because we we'll get on to the meat of it in a bit. I just want to reflect on some other drivers' races. Um, so uh, a man I want to talk about, Seb Vettel. Mm-hmm. At times, in the sort of confusion that was strategy and rain and things like that, I was like, oh my God, Vettel's going to end up on a podium here. Yeah. And then in that dodgy accident with Stroll and then kind of disappeared. Bizarre. And we've seen a couple of quieter races. Obviously, we had the uh, the disqualification, didn't we? But since in then, Hungary. Seb, yeah, Seb yeah. just felt, seemed a little, I don't know, not as on it as he had been. I think he was f- furious to have missed out on Q3 in qualifying. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, it probably it's, the, it's this contractual curse, shall we call it? Ah, I've got the drive next year. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> or maybe Aston Martin really have turned all of their focus yeah. in twenty twenty two, and so I don't know. It just a quiet few races think, for Aston Martin. I think Aston at the beginning of the season really felt hard done by by the the rules in the way that they had to they lost a lot of performance from their yeah. car at the beginning of the season. Then they kind of were like, do you know what, like screw this, we're going we're gonna to do something about it. And they've kind of got there, not quite had the luck of the draw. And now, obviously, they've just gone, ah, screw it, whatever. Like, we'll keep you guys for next season. We know we're going to have a good car. Uh, let's just roll the DBX out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get out the DBX. I think it is quite funny, though, um, not from Aston Martin's point of view, that it almost seems like there's no safety cars when it's the Aston Martin's turn. <laughs> I, I, I know what you like, mean. I've never I've seen, seen that out in front yeah. of the F1 cars. I've only seen the AMG no, it must GT have been. It was, was Imola uh, Aston? I've definitely seen it. It's, but you're right. You're right. It's, it feels like not as much, yeah. which is kind of mad. So poor them who paid all this money. Yeah. I've seen a lot of a sort of big floaty DBX at the back of the field. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, George Russell, another, of course, very impressive qualifying P3, unbelievable, clearly showing that in those conditions, he is going to be a monster mm. once he gets mm. into a, you know, truly competitive car. P10, I think he would have been disappointed. Yeah. Um, but oh, but yeah, unfortunately, didn't have the P3. pace. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I feel like maybe, you know, we've seen them be able to get up to P7, P8, yeah. etc. Um, so anyway, you know, again. Just- I think I think this race uh, really solidifies a team performance mm. just purely based on how many uh, chefs, was it, what, how many, too many chefs? Cooks, the bro- cooks, cooks in the kitchen. Cooks in the kitchen. You can see how many cooks are making these decisions and especially when something so extreme as this torrential downpour that only hit like four corners of the track, uh, send so many people into a panic. Cause then you see, for, for example, Lewis win, Bottas fifth, Verstappen second, but Russell not really taking advantage or like these drivers that aren't quite in those teams where they've got like the best guys doing it. They're not taking advantage of these opportunities. It's, you just hit the the perfect segue. If you were a co-host, I'd say well done. <laughs> As a guest, maybe one really day. <laughs> <laughs> because PA upwards, I think, shows just how much experience played into the final results of this race. Mm. Kimi Raikkonen, mm. two races out in a fairly uncompetitive Alfa Romeo P8. Yeah. Knew what he was doing. Fernando Alonso, who we need <laughs> yeah. to talk about his opening up in a second, P6. Bottas, as you say, someone getting P5. Danny Rick up there in P4. Max Verstappen out of nowhere into P2. And Lewis winning. Mm. Uh, so, let's analyse the Norris situation first, right? Okay. As we're getting into those final few laps, and we hear Hamilton and Norris going, I don't want to pit, yeah. I want to stay out. What was your feeling and emotion? Were you going, heck yeah, like crack on? Or were you like, idiots? Uh, best way, best way, best way. 
is well without sounding like a lewis fan <laughs> and, and without sounding like stating the obvious because he won but when the drop when the two drivers fighting for the lead are that far ahead so there's a huge gap between p3 they're that far ahead and they are out there in the cars you have to listen to what they're experiencing and what they are feeling because they're the ones that are touching the steering wheels and in control of the cars and when they're driving through that rain they were probably thinking oh my god this is near on undrivable to be driving at this speeds and then they clear out onto the dry track and they're like there's no way this is intermediates so that that first lap where they started to get really twitchy around uh, turn five i think it was and they both said no to their teams for calling them in um that is probably the way that i think they should have done it listen to the drivers monitor what's going on around but these two are fighting for the lead and there's a huge gap to p3 but the moment the team then override the driver based on the statistics a, f- a few minutes into the future that is when i think the driver has to listen to the team to be like I-, I trust their opinion which obviously lewis does he you know he's a big team player and he always thanks his team when he wins um and the fact that he won proves that there is an element of you have to listen to the people that have the data and they were seeing everyone else come into the pits and they were seeing the sector times going round and realizing that inters was where it was at yeah i think okay so just to go back to my initial question though what was your emotion as a fan were you full of anxiety thinking this is ridiculous like just put the inters on you're gonna bin it oh no i wanted to see i wanted to see the race on the on the mediums or the hards or well, on the yeah, I, on I wanted to see whether, yeah. they, could, whether, whether yeah. they could do it that for me there was something in you're right they had firstly they were 25 seconds up mm. the road anyway so this is the point about Norris's pace over the weekend mm. you know those two were kind of in a league of their own towards the end of the race in the dry and then when they were so close and you could see they were both so caught up in this battle and the rain starts coming down but both of them like screw it leave yeah, it to yeah, us yeah, and we yeah, can do yeah. it I was like Hells yeah, because <laughs> yeah. whatever the result, it will be a Rosberg, Hamilton, Bahrain, 2014, like high fives and hugging because what a thing to get through. And I kind of wanted that for both of them. And I didn't really care who won. It was going to be just, as I say, Spa 2007. I, did, I, I didn't care who won. I thought they were going to go off and on and overtake and spin. And I, and I just thought it was going to be amazing. I was like, yeah. you go do it whilst everyone else pussies out for inters. Yeah. But so hindsight is a beautiful thing, yeah. right? Uh Bottas pitted first, well, pitted before either Hamilton or Norris. His outlap was seven seconds quicker, or even I think his first sector Mm. was seven seconds quicker than Norris and Hamilton. So whilst Hamilton was initially pushing back, saying, no, I'm right, Norris is right there, I can do this, we're fine. Mercedes go, no, Lewis, heavy rain is coming, it's pit now. Mm. And that was the experience of, Hamilton and Mercedes. Hamilton trusting the team because yeah. they've got him seven world championships or six world championships. Um, the team trusting Hamilton to give him that chance and that ability, but knowing as well that he will listen. Like it was an ultimate trust, but also an experience of we're here to win a championship and we've won championships together yeah. before and we've been in situations before. So they allowed that first kind of no, I'm staying out. But then when they needed to, they yeah. they got him in. Yeah. Whereas Norris and McLaren, they're what 
you could McLaren were constantly asking Norris, what do you want to do? What do you think we should do? And as insanely talented as Norris clearly is, it was his lack of experience which cost him or the team the result because he said, no, guys, I'm fine. McLaren should have been watching all the other times and said, but Lando, they're going 10 seconds a lap quicker than you further down the field and there's heavier rain coming. Get in now. And he yeah. should have said, okay, I, yeah. I trust you guys. Weren't assertive enough. They weren't assertive enough. And also, he, I think Norris showed the slightest hint of distrust or, or not fully believing yeah. in the team. Firstly, they didn't say to him, coming now not that we heard at least but he should have i think shown the team a you know a bit more trust and said okay if you think i should yeah, come in yeah. i'll come in yeah so i think that's why he was beating himself up so hard in the race is he knew it was a, a decision that they made you know mainly pro- driven by him driven by him that, that unfortunately cost them the victory mm-hmm. but i loved his spirit i loved the fact that both of them wanted to continue yeah that lando was so up for that challenge in that race so I, I should have really applauded it, but I'm also a bit like, it showed, because as I say, the fact that you've got Bottas, Alonso, Reckon, all coming through at the end, and Verstappen with Red Bull, having that trust, fight, pick, picking out the strategy when it mattered, that's what got the results. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a, what's it called, bitter... Um, Bittersweet? Yeah, bittersweet with, with Lando. Like, you know, I, I, just, I don't want him to lose that. I don't want him to lose that fighting spirit. But to win races and championships, they'll have to mature again. Like like they did, you know, 10 years ago, wouldn't have been the same thing. Yeah. Although, <laughs> 2007, that is how Hamilton lost the championship. They <laughs> left him out on tyres for too long and they disintegrated and then he came into the pits and crashed. So it's not a completely unheard of thing for McLaren. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to have to figure that out, I think, to really be up there fighting yeah. for, for the victory. My, my favourite part of the race was... I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was, we'd seen so many graphics of rain coming in off the coast and there was so much emphasis on how the weather could change and affect this race. And then as the rain started to come in, you heard, I think, was it Ocon or someone said, drizzle, drizzle, like it's it's coming. Yeah. There was like this anticipation. Then Russell was like, it's definitely Inters. And we we're like, <laughs> what? Like, Out of nowhere. It looks dry. Yeah. And then it cuts to this scene where you can just see the spray and these cars, r- the drivers wrestling these cars to get around the corners. Oh my God. It's happening. And then when they were going down the back straight, I'm going to call it that second, is it the second DRS zone? Yep. Um, I couldn't believe how much faith and trust they had in themselves and in the cars to still be going that fast when the track was slippery, when their tyres were wet, they were losing temperature. And I was in awe of their ability. Um, And then obviously that strategic element, I'm going to throw this into the gaming world when I'm playing on the Xbox. The one thing that I dream of when I'm in F1 races is having a radio call in to say, rain in five minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> there's going to be do? like this huge strategy yeah. change as to when I'm going to come in. And it just makes like my race in a game so much more exciting. So then to be able to see that in real life and live it in front of my eyes, it was just like the most insane thing to watch. It's very, it very rarely happens. We get many races that start wet and end up dry. Yeah. But it's very rare that we get Dry, dry races race. that finish wet or, or, or we get rain Which midway why through. why Bernie was championing so Sprinklers. hard. Sprinklers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bernie. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Because 
I think all the drivers sensed a huge opportunity there at the end, you know, proper rain, jumbled up order, like some of them had been on Inter's sooner than others and and you know there was all this madness and they were all just going for it i reckon most drivers cross the line having no idea what position they're in i totally <laughs> agree but i'm also so shocked we didn't see more smashes yeah like i thought we were going to see some big mm. crashes there at mm. the end because you know what a slippery i mean it's a streets track yeah pouring rain uh, you know with a few laps to go and people being super competitive i was like oh there's going to be a huge crash yeah. at some point and to be honest even the final few laps with lewis in the lead i was like yeah, please don't yeah, bin yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Please don't I, bin it. Exactly like, I just kept same. waiting for the camera to cut to Lewis, like just going straight on into yeah, a barrier. Yeah. Um, but again, hints that this season, you know, you can't count on him like the rock that you have in previous years, you know, mm. 2016, 17, uh, 17, 17, 18, you would have been like, oh yeah, Lewis isn't going to put a foot wrong. It's because like. no one's chomping, no one back then was really chomping at his heels well that's where exactly even it. even though he didn't know where max was he knew that he had taken the grid penalty the new engine and he knew how important that win was and i think also psychologically as well to get that hundredth win yes we haven't talked about it all yet. <laughs> this is the most hamilton pod <laughs> <laughs> after the second flag brought you by lh44 <laughs> um i think that's a that's a huge almost barrier to, to break through and it obviously and it did take a it while did, it did i couldn't believe it when they said oh this is his opportunity to to get his 100th win i was like they've been talking about that all season haven't they like it, <laughs> it felt four, like forever every start of the race it said attempting his 100th yeah, goal. I was yeah. like, oh my and it clearly had weighed on him because it was one of the first thing he mm. says was to finally get that 100 grand prix victory yeah. so yeah we're going to review that stat again in a second because it is impressive and it's a good way to kind of you know, tail off the episode. But I think we haven't really talked about Verstappen and I don't want to diminish his drive at all because he did do a very good drive and heck, he was up to... Cue the angry comments. Yes. <laughs> you know, we love to stir the Verstappen <laughs> port here. I think even the viewers and Verstappen fans will admit a certain amount of luck, a lot of it, genius strategy. Red Bull made the call at the right moment, at the exact precise moment, got him in and he managed it. So maybe that's not luck, that's genius. But it was luck in the sense where in the dry, he was going backwards. Well, the, um, yes, but the first half of the race was quite impressive. Mega impressive. Who did he overtake that I put in the group uh, saying well, that was mad? Alonso? No, he went, or, he lunged on somebody. Yeah, really? Um, was it Ricardo? It Somebody around... He, well, yeah, because he came he came from so far back on Bottas, but then it was like four laps later, he came from even further yeah, back. Yeah, he came re- on like Sonoda or someone. Yeah, this or. is the... Maybe it was Sonoda. Yeah, I think so. He, he just came from nowhere. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, I was like, this man's on a mission. He did all the work he needed to do in that first other race. And, and, and then it was, it was more of a strategic thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I was yeah. genuinely mad impressed with this. I was like, whoa. It almost felt reminiscent of Vettel in the old dominant Red Bull days when he used to come, like, I think there was an Abu Dhabi race where he started in the pit lane and ended up third. Yeah. And it had, he was just You saw how much things. trust he had in the car. Like so the much trust. Talking about. It was him and... Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Perez, really, like right. it's that same on corner, the brakes. but it was where Albon kept lunging. Do you yeah. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, who's this kid? <laughs> the Red Bull <laughs> yeah. just clearly, really, he's like just corner. into the DRS zone and yeah. lunging them already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, then the, then he was eating up the tires because he was on the adverse yeah. strategy. So I think they were saved with the rain. They mm. did make the, the brilliant strategic call, and Verstappen had delivered what he needed to. Without that, I why they would have started to go backwards. So what I mean by the luck is what could have been in a dry race eighth or ninth position ended up being yeah, yeah, yeah. second. So, yeah. you know, you, Unbel- they must unbel- be unbelievable. Ecstatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Lewis was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, what have I got to this guy here? do to beat this yeah. guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we touch on the 100 Grand Prix victories, can we talk about Jimmy Alfonso, Fernando Alonso? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this guy, okay, so firstly, can we sadly admit he's starting to look a little bit like the Alonso of old. Like the old sharky bugger that he always was. Hungry was his his tipping tipping point, where he was like, hold on a minute. Maybe I do still have it. Yeah, maybe I am still quite good. Hold on, this is quite fun. He like needed the reassurance of Crofty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The seal of approval. He could hold up Hamilton in a slower car. So did you spy him staking out the runoff on turn two? At the formation lap. No, no. So, so he, he knew what he was. I saw so much on social media, but I mean, yeah, I've saw I've seen his onboards from the race, but I didn't realise he was... He basically worked out that there's a sort of loophole in the regulations, which is at the first, on the first lap, taking avoiding action like that will kind of be overlooked. Like it's, it's permitted and it's allowed. So I think it was always his intention to use that runoff. Yeah. He braked in a way that, was never going to get him in the corner. And he then absolutely <laughs> floored it through these bollards, which probably got him from sixth or seventh up to fourth, yeah. um, you know, by the, by the third or fourth corner. So it's kind of like Dick Dastardly behavior, but also like classic Alonso yeah. and sort of, I sort of think, well, it's so you that I applaud it slightly. <laughs> like I kind of hate it's it. So annoying. Everything that it that stands for. Good. Yeah, that I'm like, oh, well done for just continuing to be a dick. And I still hold out, and I'm getting prepared to place money on what Alpine <laughs> being solid podium contenders next oh, year. Really? Forward. Yeah, I'm still. I'm almost ready. I'm not quite ready mm. yet, but I'm getting ready to start putting money on that. Um, and I think Alonso in a competitive top five car. We're going to see top five, yeah. Dick Darsley behavior, yeah. It's going to get messy. <laughs> um, but we, I, I have to applaud him. Like, he's yeah. coming on song. We've slagged him off the whole year. This is your first time shooting into well, after the checkered flag. I just said he was here to sell t shirts. Is that slagging him off? Yes. Probably. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I've refused to call him by his own name. Um, I prefer to call him Jim, Jimmy Alfonso. Uh, so, yes. Anyway, let's get on to the stat of, well, 
history, a hundred Grand Prix yeah, victories. Yeah, that of ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the planet. <laughs> the most impressive stat. Uh, whilst, you know, you could argue that Lewis Hamilton has had the chance. How many Grand Prix has Lewis competed in now? Because obviously they have more Grand Prix per mm. season. Um, but I want to know. I was having this conversation with um, someone at a wedding I was at recently because we were, we were basically saying you just can't compare the top drivers of different eras. Yeah. Because you go down the statistical route and they were collecting 10 points for a win. Lewis was collecting 25 points for a win. They're now having 25 races in a season rather than nine. And sometimes they weren't competing because they'd had too many cigarettes. And this time it's, oh, they were out because of COVID. And you go down the car route and be like, well, they've got faster cars now. But yeah, back then it was a manual. So there's much more car control. And you just can't compare. Just appreciate that they've all existed. Yes, <laughs> in different areas. And what I loved was I was listening to some kind of interview. Maybe this was an interview with... Jock Clear, I think, on the F1 podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, who Not was Vill this Vill F1 podcast? No, <laughs> there's another one. Oh, I've heard. What? I don't know. <laughs> he was Villeneuve's race engineer back in 97. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was Schumacher's race engineer at Mercedes. Uh, Jensen Button. You know, he, he's been around the block for a mm. while. Knows, um, knows a thing or two. Definitely knows a thing <laughs> or two. And um, he's now at Ferrari. But he was saying, the only thing which you could say is, would those old drivers be good today? Yes, because they were the best of their day as raw natural drivers mm -hmm. and therefore they would have applied themselves to be the best in this day and age. So when Schumacher turned up, he introduced a whole new era of fitness. Mm. And so all the other drivers went, oh, I've got to be fit mm. now. So if Senna had started at the same time as Schumacher or just after, he would have gone, well, I need to get to that fitness level. Uh, if Prost was racing today and having to manage tyres, he would have worked out how to manage tyres. You know, so the best of the best would have just figured out yeah. and still been the best of the best. I agree. So for me, my only comparison is race starts. Mm -hmm. The number of races you've entered. Because as I say, like I think uh, Fangio like, did like 50 races and he won like 40 of them. <laughs> so that's like an insane, <laughs> insane percentage. percentage of, yeah, exactly. But he actually didn't compete in that goat. many. So yeah, you, you could go, oh, well, he's only got 40 victories compared <laughs> yeah. to Hamilton's 100. Yeah. yeah, but he only raced in 50. <laughs> so the key stat for me, so you've got Schum uh, Schumacher behind Hamilton now, 91 victories for Schumacher, Hamilton now at 100. So Lewis has ha entered 281 Grand Prix, Schumacher after Mercedes, 308. Mm -hmm. So... Lewis has competed in less races. And one more. One more. So as a winning percentage, it's still impressive. Yeah. You know, but, but when you go up against, okay, but what about a so fan? is that a statistic in favor of Lewis being better than Schumacher? Yeah, uh, yes, it, okay. uh, that's what it is. But here we go. So I it just was, wanted you to say it out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sick of my... Uh, 52 entries for Fangio, 24 victories. So okay. almost half the race yeah, is the ended. Yeah. So the winning, is, it, it is hard to judge. And so you, can you sit and go, oh, well, oh, Hamilton's better than Fangio ever because he's got <laughs> three times the amount of victories. <laughs> it is all in comparison, but you cannot avoid that achievement. Mm. Uh, and especially when you consider other great drivers. I mean, Rosberg, 23 victories. I mean, that's still a huge amount compared to Jensen Button. What, only, fift only 15 victories, Jensen wow. Button. I'm still coming down. I'm trying to think of other names. Felipe Massa, 11. <laughs> Mark Webber, Belt Bottas, 9. Yeah. Daniel Ricciardo, 8. Yeah. But these are people that we think of as, as great drivers. But going Montoya, you're one of your favourites, yeah. 7. Ralph Schumacher, 6. 
but then coming all the way back up, Mika Hakkinen only won 20. Yeah. What was he doing? <laughs> so, so I don't think you can knock that single stat. A hundred no. victories is mad impressive. Mm. Oh no, I, I agree. I'm just sitting here um, in, nodding. A, in admiration and nodding. And I go, it goes back to the video that you don't even have to be a Lewis fan to see the video, the one that he posted where it's him and his kid going, yeah, like in my go-kart, it feels really powerful. <laughs> can you imagine what an F1 car feel like? That'd be really powerful. Like, and to see him now have a hundred Formula One victories is is just ridiculous. I you think just had a Max Verstappen start. Yeah, he's do, he's won seventeen races out of one hundred and thirty four starts. So, well, that ratio is nowhere near Lewis's. Absolutely not. Um, and a lot of people say, "Oh, well, Lewis has always been in a competitive car." But I'll just remind you of two thousand and nine when that McLaren was well, so far off the pace. That argument doesn't exist in any sport because if you are the best in football, you will play for the best football team. There Therefore, you, you will probably win the most cups. Messi hasn't scored in three. You games. will have the best, the best train. I just slid in a football reference. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely on, missed yeah, it. Yeah, I had it on BBC Radio One earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, moving on. Talk, like you, you talk about tennis, and okay, it's you think it's a one-person sport because they're the only person on the court. Look at all of their, their team around them, mm -hmm. the coaches that they have, the nutritionists they have. When you're Roger Federer, you can have the best. Therefore, you will reach your peak faster, more efficiently, and play better, therefore win more. So it's it's an argument that doesn't really stack up to say, yeah, but he's got the fastest car. Obviously, he's the best. <laughs> There's a reason why Mercedes paid all that money to, to get have him Hamilton in, in that car. He's developed the car with a lot of budget, more so than some other race car drivers, but Mercedes know that, so does Lewis. That's why he's there, and that's why they've teamed up with him. And that's why McLaren put him in as a young, hot rookie against a world champion back in 2007, mm. you know? And, and you can see this long line. That's why Verstappen was promoted into Formula 1 and then into the Red Bull senior team yeah, yeah. at a horrifying young age because... Didn't even have a driver's license. pure, raw talent, yeah. and you cannot avoid that. And so, yeah, everyone will have to knock, and, you know, here we go again on the Lewis Hamilton fan, uh, you know, podcast. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a stat that we all have to sit back and... Can I would like to I would like to back up my love for Lewis Hamilton. Oh no. Okay. Because it goes We're gonna all lose the a way, lot of listeners. It, right the, now. it goes all the way back to two thousand one when I first got into Formula One. Okay. And it was the second season that Michael Schumacher had won. Yes. So, uh, yeah, as, as a Ferrari driver, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was winning everything. Okay. I was coming into the sport as this new, fresh faced, young, aspiring driver, fan of the fan of the sport. And just seeing one person win, one car win all of the time, it was boring. So I started to pick out the drivers that might challenge him. Oh, I want him to win. I want him to win. And that was where I started to get a, a motivation to will other drivers on. And what we're seeing, especially in the Drive to Survive era, which is bringing in a whole new audience to Formula One, is people that are just seeing Lewis Hamilton win. Whether they've watched the race, whether they watch the highlights, whether they just hear it on the radio, wherever they see or hear the news that Lewis Hamilton has won another Formula One Grand Prix, boring. Snore. So yeah. all of a sudden, a Max Verstappen comes along. Oh, it's this new, exciting talent that you just want and have this will to win and beat Lewis so that it can be more exciting and interesting to watch. And, and the, I kind and of feel like it's the, this full circle happening because Lewis came in, this 
brash, like kind of uncontrollable driver that made so many mistakes when he was a young driver. He nearly got a world championship, then he did get the world championship. So I've been willing this guy to win right from the early stages of his career. And now to see him at this pinnacle and smashing records, that's why I'm championing him so hard um, because I've seen him right from the early days. But I totally get why you don't want him to win. <laughs> and you know what will happen? Because I was there when Michael Schumacher was winning and you hate that. <laughs> <laughs> if if he loses this year, if he loses 2022, 2023. He's still got a Zonda. <laughs> which apparently he hates. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee that. you, if by 2023, he's gone back to McLaren for a swan song career, everyone will be going, we want the Dark Horse Hamilton to get one more championship. <laughs> one more, you know, because that's, it's fickle sport, isn't it? You know, yeah. we knock him when he's on top and then the minute he's down, everyone will champion him again and there'll be something in that where at the moment, yes, the dominance has become tiring. Mm. You know, he rubs people up the wrong way with his personal life. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, off, off track. I'm, uh, not talk, I'm not talking about off track. talking about on track yeah. racing, his abilities on track and what he's achieved. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out no matter what, whether Hamilton or Verstappen walks away with the, the championship thing this time round with Lewis being so dominant in the sport is the last time this happened with Schumacher social media didn't really exist 100% um, so you never really got to see his personal side and we all know as well from the Schumacher documentary that he didn't even like being in the uh, public eye he didn't like the media he didn't like that side of it in the similar ilk of Vettel and Verstappen they don't like the fame they just want to drive because they love it so the fact that we have access to these guys personal lives now obviously gives us even more of an opinion on them can we talk about the Schumacher documentary we can because yeah. <laughs> now you've watched it yeah. I've been waiting well, oh my god just hurry up and watch it uh, so before I launch into it because uh, okay. I could that's a whole other episode uh, what were your thoughts as a non-Schumacher fan I guess yeah as I, was, someone who- I was coming in as um I would say a neutral because whilst I didn't necessarily want him to win when I was watching him race, I didn't despise him. I didn't dislike him. Um, and then obviously what happened to him after his Formula One career, coming back to Mercedes and then obviously the accident, there's an element of, um, I think it's just in human nature. Um, what's the word? A little bit of nosiness. I kind of watched it to, to get a hint of just what is his condition? Because I think everyone wants to know because he's this global superstar and a huge Formula One um, legend that you kind of just, you want to know something and we're not really getting it. Um, So there was that element that I watched it. Um, So I can't really say that I was disappointed that I didn't get it because it'd be unfair on the family and what they wish. Um, I felt it was really weird the way that it was whole, like the whole thing, the way that it was directed. Obviously his wife came across really well. Um, I don't think his career came across well at all. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> because really, it started with, I'll, some, I'll paraphrase the entire thing if you haven't watched it. Um, oh, he was really lucky to get that F1 seat because he came up through sports cars where it's not really the conventional way of getting up. Then he struggled. Then he got the Ferrari drive and he was haloed to be this great thing. Didn't quite make it. Ferrari actually considered binning him off. Then he won a world championship by crashing into Damon Hill, who everyone says was on purpose so that he could win by default. And then Netflix go, oh yeah, then he won, then he won six or seven. And, and then, he cra- uh, then he like was just spiraling out of control because he didn't know what to do once he had retired. It, I kind of feel like I rambled there. No, no, but no, you sort of almost sums it up. So Hey, look, the guy's my idol, right? Mm. You know, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, the main podcast on the main channel. Like the guy, I've got posters and pictures of him everywhere. So I'm obsessed. And when I 
heard that that documentary was coming out, I was like foaming at the mouth. Like yeah. I like, had an alarm set in my fucking diary for six months. I thought it was incredibly light on the racing, on his actual racing story. And I think you're correct where not only was it light, but it was actually a little bit misguiding. Like, so Tony, who wasn't really into F1 during that era, doesn't really know much, walked away going, right, so Schumacher just crashed a lot and was a bit of a cheat. Yeah. And I'm like, from that documentary, I kind of get why you're saying that. I mean, it literally kills me inside, but... For me, what made Schumacher great, which they sort of really skirted around, was his absolute dedication to ultimate performance. His ability to recognise his own faults, team's faults, almost skirt past them or use them to, you know, sort of absolutely pull everyone together and, and deliver the ultimate sort of, you know, result. And what was weird was, okay, you're right. So the Benetton years, they basically made out that he crashed into people to win championships, which I think a lot of people, especially here in the UK, would still say is true. Mm. You know, that Hill incident. And I think a lot of people would put that, even I say, of course, that's what he was trying to do. Um, the Villeneuve one, again, you know, of course, that's what he was trying to do. I think interesting that he himself in the moment was so red-misted, yeah. he didn't really quite realise what was going on. Reminded slightly of a Hamilton Verstappen accidents. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. um, uh, and then the Ferrari, you know, the 97, 98, 99 era of like, oh yeah, we started to doubt ourselves and him, which was, look, this is Jean Todd's word, so we've got to believe him. Yeah. But felt very Netflix because 1996, he won a race in a car that, I mean, it's like a Williams winning. Yeah. Then 97, he lost in the final round because he tried to crash into Villeneuve. So, I mean, he lost by one point and was disqualified. I mean, he, he was literally lost in the final he, race. He, I can't believe he actually got disqualified from a so season. The whole season, yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, he sh like coulda, shoulda, woulda. 98, exact same thing, loses it in the final race due to a tyre blowout. 99, breaks both his legs, <laughs> comes back, basically wins the first race back <laughs> from six months out. And then 2000 wins the championship. And Netflix were like, oh, the dark period yeah, of yeah, yeah. Everyone was doubting him going, oh, they're not going to- Is he the driver for us? <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And then you're right. Then it gets into his dominant era, which yeah. not only was like the, the testament to his character and what he had achieved and were some interesting years, they basically don't talk about it. And when they do talk about it, they show clips of Rubens Barrichello. <laughs> I was like, that's not even Schumacher. Um, it was almost like, yeah, you know what happens next. Yeah, yeah everyone knows about that yeah. part. It was kind of boring. Yeah. And then you're right. There's like, oh, and then he just, you know, got really bored, didn't know what to do with himself, came back and like, it was a bit of a failure, but it was good that he came back. And <laughs> yeah. like, which I will pump it again. The Brackley Boys episodes of the F1 podcast, unbelievable. And, and the fact of what they talk about, what Schumacher gave to that Mercedes team, fascinating. You're right, Corinna, the wife came across very, very well. Um, the last 10 minutes, killed me i think yeah. uh, you know on a human level mm. um the way you know you say you felt not let down but you felt frustrated that you didn't know more about how he is right now i think we all feel like we're owed that because he was such a public personality for so long right he was on camera but you he know, was so private that I well yeah at a time where you're right there was no social media so we got we, he was on our screens you know mm. I said I got freaking posters of him everywhere not behind me right now but <laughs> you know so he felt like part of my life and part of many people's lives and now he's just disappeared into the yeah. ether so we all feel like that's not fair but mm. actually it's totally fair for them to do what they're yeah, doing yeah. but hearing I think Mick really yeah. killed me saying yeah. that you know he feels like he's missing out on conversations he, he could or should be having he, with his yeah, dad yeah he can ha he can talk there's so much more he can talk about 
because he's in F1, he's in motorsport and that he's not getting that. That's what I picked up on saying, well, they can't have a conversation. Then. I, I think he's mad. a vegetable. I mean, you know, I'm just going to come out and say, I think, I think unfortunately he's clearly a vegetable. I think he must be able to a, communicate a, somehow, okay maybe. To say. <laughs> I hope so. Is it not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it's a medical term. Okay. No, I don't but think what, so. What maybe I, it is. <laughs> what I mean is I think unfortunately he's probably being yeah. supported by lots of, mm. and un, unable to communicate yeah, in a traditional yeah. way. Um, I'm sure he's probably fairly unrecognizable and that's horrific to think about. It must be, appalling for them but I thought amazing what she said that she can't turn around and say why us I thought that was incredibly um, yeah. selfless of her to mm -hmm. say and I think yeah really painful to hear mixed words about it but I was left disappointed by the documentary I did there was a couple of things that I picked up on the first being Ralph and Michael obviously had very similar upbringings mm -hmm. there was very similar stories that Ralph was talking about where they would go through the, the tyre bin and they'd pick up these old burnt out tyres and then they'd go and win races on them or they'd go and pick up the old used slicks and it was raining but they couldn't afford them. And you can see just what a unique person Michael it would have, well, is in comparison to Ralph because look at the, t the two differences. They both made it into Formula One. Ralph won Grand Prix, got pole positions, etc., but it was the way Michael applied himself. Yeah, which I then picked up on was the way that he, he's like, is it the, the trailblazer in the, in the sense that like he leads the path and I could see so much of Verstappen and Hamilton and the way that they carry themselves, the way that they dedicate their life to the sport in, in Michael Schumacher. And I was like, well, he was the first guy really to do it in this in this sense this, that was another thing and then sorry to have a football reference again uh but the way that i compared his competitiveness goes back to the cristiano ronaldo documentary where he cannot lose he, yeah, he yeah. cannot fathom a defeat therefore he would do everything in his power to win. And if he didn't, he would throw the biggest fit and it would ruin his entire day, week, month. Um, and I basically said to myself, if Ronaldo was a Formula One driver, he would do exactly what Michael Schumacher was doing. Yeah. And like just getting his elbows out and touching wheels and crashing if he had to, purely so that he didn't lose. Yeah. And then convinced that he wasn't making a mistake. I, I think a lot of the time Schumacher didn't realise exactly what yeah. he was doing. Yeah, it it was just, that competitive he, yeah. nature in him that... There's there's so few people on this planet that I think are dialed that way. Mm -hmm. um, and they rise to the top. That's it. I agree. But but what I would say to because combat... They, they have to. That, well, for sure. Unless they have any option in their brain, yeah, right? Yeah. But I actually don't think publicly, as far as we know, any driver has really applied themselves in the way Schumacher did. Mm. I, I, I do personally think, of course, Ross Braun, John Todd, Aldecost, like a huge part of um, that Ferrari team, Domenicali, etc. But Schumacher galvanised them and was willing to work 14-hour yeah, test yeah. days, was willing to just keep pushing, pushing, whatever pushing, it takes. whatever it takes, yeah. where... Hamilton, I think maybe at the start or maybe at times of his career has, but I think a lot of it is raw talent. Yeah. Uh, and and well, look at um, Monza, like the day after just flew to New York for the Met Gala. Where, Which is cool. Like, sure. Fine, do it. But it's not like I'm in the pits with my pit crew. I, I think Schumacher was like back in Marinello testing yeah. at that point. That's, yeah. that's the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. image that, that is sort of painted. So yeah, it was, it was, I'm glad it was that. He's a nice thing to watch. But for me as someone who was, you know, obsessed with the guy and that era, it, it wasn't meaty enough. Mm. Not on his story now, but on the actual season. So 
Yeah, there, I have lots of ideas of how you could do a, a better Schumacher documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Coming the, from a super fan. For the main channel. It's um, cool. It's just cool that it's out there. So yeah. people that might not have been into Formula One can see it and get an Educate understanding. Exactly. I'm quite looking forward to Lewis's one. There will be one at some point, yeah. but I think it's going to be like a blockbuster movie with like it'll Denzel be, Washington like playing ten, or something ten years like that. Away, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that wraps up today's episode. Uh, we had a lot to talk about, but actually, lots that wasn't even around the Sochi Grand Prix. But what a Grand Prix it was! What, what a Grand Prix! I was trying to come up with the words after that race as to how I was. I was trying to tweet. I was like, but race after race, it just gets better. I can't see how it's going to get better if Sochi can be that good. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have left for yeah, us well, this Turkey's year? next. Well, Turkey's <laughs> next. Turkey last year was And then iconic. God knows how many races. I mean, is Brazil going to happen? Well, <sighs> at the moment, we've got seven left. Have we got seven left? Yeah, seven yeah, left seven at the left. moment. I would, I would question Brazil. I'd question Saudi. I mean, they're all like gun ho but heck, have you seen pictures of it? No. I, it looks as bad as the construction site oh, outside. Really? It's like six weeks away. Oh, wow. So, or less. Anyway, so yeah. So we'll see, but theoretically seven races to go yeah. and- yeah. Is it going to go down to Abu Dhabi? Do you think it's going to? It has to. Yeah. I think in less mechanical yeah, issues. Yeah, it's a DNF. It, unless it's a DNF, I think it will. And even with a DNF, I actually think it would go to the last race, but maybe with like a yeah, too big a swing. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? And I think like, you know, karma, do you believe in everything happens for a reason? I think all of these races that we're getting is like so amazing that we're just going to get a DNF and it's just going to be like handed to someone who's been like, oh. Oh, <laughs> someone's going to steal on the start line. Oh, yeah. okay. But that, I mean, that I basically was. But every, that was Schumacher hacking in '98. Yeah, Schumacher was on pole, ready to go for it, and he stalled every race. I kind of be like, oh, this is going to be the boring one. Like we're due a boring one. We're due. We have had a couple. Dutch, uh, yeah, Dutch but like the seasons prior to this, it's been like oh, half yeah. of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, this season, as it being the climax to the all of the regulations that we've had. I don't know. Like, I'm just getting nervous now with the races that we've got left. Obviously, there'll the, be some boring uh, ones. Yeah, I know. It's but like, right. I just don't want that to have an impact on how close the championship is. Fair. I want it to go to Abu Dhabi. And it's like, whoever wins, wins. Yeah, it's got to... The, it, one of them has to win. Yeah, they have to beat yeah, each other yeah, on yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's a massive crash. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to say too much, but the next episode, which will be reacting to the Turkish Grand Prix, will not be filmed in this studio. Let's oh, so we'll now. More, more information coming on the main podcast in a few days' time. So if you don't, weirdly, if you don't listen to the main show, that'll be on. Maybe there are people who just listened to After Check of the Flag. Yeah. There's another F series that I do called Behind the Glass <laughs> with Tony from Government <laughs> Castle. Check it out. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you're excited for us to react to further Grand Prix, subscribe now, turn on notifications so don't miss those future episodes. Uh, if you want to follow Paul, he's at Wallace PJ. Paul on. the co-host. No, Paul the constant <laughs> guest. Uh, <laughs> when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. At Wallace PGW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seeing Through Glass on most social media platforms. Can never say that quickly. Uh, and yes, we'll be back with you in a few weeks for the Turkish Grand Prix reaction. Bye-bye. <laughs>